Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It is Friday, March 19th. Dang, this month is flying by for absolutely no reason. <laughs> like, hey, yo, it's already the 19th. The year 2021, and you are tuned into episode six. That's right. Of the Amen Corner podcast, your favorite Christian podcast. My name is Mike Purvis, and I'm your host. And alongside me is Brother Joshua Powell. Josh, how you doing today, bro? I'm doing great, and yourself, sir? I'm doing good, I'm doing good. Now, before I get into introducing our main topic, um, there's two things that I do want to address. First thing I want to address is, if you noticed, we did not specifically advertise the um, the fifth episode that we dropped that was about the Church of God in Christ quadrennial election, which I'll pause and say here, if you've listened to that episode, they officially scheduled it for March the 20th. So this Saturday, we will know who the new leadership of the church will be. But if um, going back to what I was saying before, if you specifically noticed that we did not advertise that episode, um, that was because many of you have heard me talk about us moving into multiple streaming platforms and the streaming platforms that we were looking to get into did not approve us at the time that we recorded that episode. So I'm glad to say as of now, all of the streaming platforms that we have applied to have officially approved us. So I officially want to say welcome to all of the individuals that are listening to us from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music, as well as our home base where we started off at, at SoundCloud. I feel like we should have like a welcome song on how they do in church, but like, you know, copyright issues. I don't want to put um, nothing, I don't want to put nothing great. I'm dead, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We hope that you all subscribe, follow the podcast on our different social media handles, share this podcast with individuals that you know that are interested in what we're talking about, and hopefully we'll able this will give us the opportunity to expand the Amen Corner. Um, if you would like to choose the different social media handle of your choice, make sure that you go into our different social media handles, and we do have a link that not only provides both of our social media handles, but also provides every a link, a specific link, I should say, to every social media streaming platform that we are currently on that I just listed. So, with that being said, episode six's main topic is about tithing. This is a pretty peculiar episode because I don't know if you've noticed or some of you may have noticed that many of our specific topics that we talk about are usually centered around an event that has happened. But I specifically, like I said, usually I draw a blank about, I, I have a procrastination problem. I'm just going to go ahead and say that right now. But um, I had a little bit of a problem and I struggled a little bit with what we were going to talk about in this episode because there weren't really a whole lot of events that had happened that I felt like we could talk about of substance. Um, so I just wanted to go ahead and start this conversation. And also it started to come back up because for those of you have, who have received your stimulus checks, you may have seen that some individuals have... Um, express the importance of paying your tithes, which has also um, brought up the importance and also has brought up the conversation as far as tithing goes. So I figured that this would be a good time to talk about uh, tithing and how we feel in our different stances on it. So yeah, with that being said, 
let's get into our trending topics. Um, the first part of our trending topic on Christian news is a um, specific evangelist by the name of Beth Moore who said she is no longer a part of the Southern Baptist Convention, according to Christianity Today. Um, if you don't know who Beth Moore is, like I said, she's a very popular evangelist within the evangelical circles and also within the Southern Baptist Convention um, due to the fact that she has been very much an advocate for women in ministry. Um, Southern Baptist, if you don't know, is a very traditionalist evangel evangelical um, reformation that in some sectors does not believe that women should be in ministry or preaching uh, for that matter. And she has very much been an advocate for that. So, um, really, what drove her out was, well, I, I don't really want to say what drove her out, but what caused her to be able to make her exit from the specific Reformation is her, um, according to the article, it was her criticism of the 45th president's abusive behavior towards women and her advocacy for sexual abuse victims turned her from a beloved icon to a pariah in the denomination she loved all her life. Um, she tweeted... And I did notice that she was tweeting a lot, um, a lot of stuff that was very anti-Trump in a sense, and that was pretty much coming against the mostly evangelical agenda or thought process as far as how they support Donald Trump. But she did tweet something along the lines of "Wake up, sleepers, to what women have dealt with all along in environments of gross entitlement and power." Uh, Moore once wrote about Trump riffing on a passage from the New Testament book of Ephesians. Because of her opposition to Trump and her outspokenness in confronting sexism and nationalism in the evangelical world, um, Moore has been labeled as quote-unquote liberal and quote-unquote woke and even being a heretic for daring to give a message during a Sunday morning church service. Finally, Moore had enough. She told Region News Services in an interview Friday that she is no longer a Southern Baptist. She's still a, she said that she's still a Baptist, but she can no longer identify with Southern Baptists, as she said in a phone interview. Uh, she loves so many of the Baptist people, um, so many Southern Baptist churches, but she does, know, she does not identify with some of the things in their heritage that has remained in the past. Um, Kate Bowler, a historian at Duke Divinity School who has studied evangelical women celebrities, said Moore's departure is a significant loss for the Southern Baptist Convention. Moore, she said, is one of the few is one of the denomination's few standalone women leaders, whose platform was based on her own charisma, leadership, and incredible work work ethic, and not her marriage to a famed pastor. Um, Moore's husband is a is a plumber by trade. She also appeared. Uh, I can't talk today. I'm <laughs> she also appealed to a wide audience outside of her denomination. Miss Moore is a deeply trusted voice across the liberal conservative divide and has always been able to communicate a deep faithfulness to her tradition without having to follow the Southern Baptist scramble to make Trump spiritually respectable. The Southern Baptists have lost a powerful champion in the time where their public witness has already been significantly weakened. And I do agree with Kate Bowler here. Um, the evangelical church, as we talked about in our very first episode, has taken a lot of L's. <laughs> when it has come, wow. when it comes to um, their overall respect of Trump and their adamant support for him, and how it has really turned out to be detrimental to their churches, and they are still standing on that. They have not really uh, backed down. They have not really recanted a lot of their statements. So I believe, and if you, like I said, if you were on Twitter and you may have been paying attention, um, I don't know if you have, but the, to the individuals mm -hmm. who were. Beth Moore, even throughout Trump's presidency and even throughout this recent election, 
was a constant voice that was against what Trump was doing and was constantly a um, calling upon evangelicals to be able to turn from their ways and to be able to see the idolatry that comes from um, lifting up a man such as Donald Trump. So I believe that she did, her hand was forced in this, in a sense, because she didn't really have a choice to um, move away because the Southern Baptists did not want to move in their position as far as how they feel about President Trump. So I believe that this was a move that she had to make, and I believe that she it is the sky's the limit as of right now as far as what she'll be able to accomplish. So the next trending topic that we want to get into is about Michael Youssef. If you've ever watched Christian television for a good amount of time, you definitely know about Michael Youssef and Leading the Way Ministries. Um, used to watch him all the time. Um, he did say something interesting. Um, he said, the woke culture that is creeping into the evangelical church is deadly for the gospel of Christ. Um, according to Christianity Today, Egyptian-American pastor Michael Youssef has issued a strong condemnation of woke pastors within evangelical churches, warning that spewing far-left ideology from the pulpit is as deadly as far as the gospel of Jesus Christ is concerned. According to Youssef, who also founded the Leading the Way television ministry, more and more pastors are, quote-unquote, falling into the trap of woke culture because it is, quote, popular and appeals to the flesh. Bowing to woke culture allows you to avoid rejection by culture and society, he said. It is a very popular message that is now being preached from many evangelical pulpits, traditionally Bible-believing, gospel-preaching churches. We have gone so far that it grieves me to the point where I literally sometimes just weep tears. I have always believed mm. as goes the pulpit, so goes the pew. As goes the pew, so goes the culture. As the pastor, I put the full blame on us right in our laps because we want to be liked, loved, and followed on social media by millions of people. Pastors are the culprits. We need to be about Jesus, not about being liked, because that is deadly as far as the gospel of Jesus Christ is concerned. Young pastors must realize that this is a deception. It is very subtle and very clever, but it is deception nonetheless, he continued. And that burden, and that is the burden that God has laid on my heart to such a point that I just couldn't sleep. I had to address it. I believe that people are in a state of confusion and need a clear word of scripture. Yusef, who was born on the African continent, says that one of the examples of bowing to the woke culture is the increased popularity of the critical race theory. The critical race theory essentially um, is a movement that advocates for the um, sort of, in a way, reconciliation that has been caused between um, different races and respective races in America. Um, I will say that from a personal opinion, some of their methods are a little bit extreme. So I would see why he would come against this. Um, the, theory the theory utilizes race as a lens through which every area of life is examined, categorizing everyone into oppressor and oppressed groups. It is a very Marxist ideology that people are taking very seriously, he said. The idea of the oppressed and the oppressors is not that simple. Now we have private Christian schools here in Atlanta where white children are apologizing to black kids. Apologizing for what? They are innocent. They haven't done anything. It's crazy. It's just going insane. Now, I will say this. I believe that in his whole, um, I don't really want to call it a rant. I'm trying to think of a better word. But in his whole 
um, spiel, I should say, about what he is talking about in this specific context. I do believe that he has made some very valid points. However, I feel as though all of the issues as far as the church is not streaming from just the far left. I feel like that's one-sided to say. I feel like if you're going to come against that someone of that ideology, you have to not only condemn the far left, but you would have to condemn the far right. Because if you like, and it goes back to what we were talking about before with the evangelicals, how their idolatry has allowed them to lift up Donald Trump and put him in the place of God, and how they have worshipped him in the place of God, how they have constantly scraped over the racism sexism and all the other things that have happened within the church and how they have taken a back seat to the racial reconciliation that needs to happen in this country if you are going to talk about what the far left is doing or is not doing I should say you must talk about what the far right is not doing which is why I said in the evangelical madhouse episode in the first one that it if a pastor was really going to be smart about how he talks about this that he should be able to look at what is going on on both sides of the aisle and to be able to correct what is going on on both sides of the aisle regardless of how he feels politically and personally. And I believe that as a preacher and as a, uh, as a man of, or a woman of God, you have that obligation to not only look at what benefits you and your political opinion, but you must look at, what that, at the injustices that is going on on both sides and to be able to look at that and correct it. As far as what God says. And I'm through with that. So. As we continue on in our Women's History Month highlight. As you all know it is still Women's History Month. Um, if you tuned into our last episode. You know that we highlighted um, Bishop Vashti McKenzie. Who is, one of the, who is the first bishop to be elected in the African Methodist Episcopal Church. But I also wanted to go back and look at Reverend Jarena Lee who was the first pastor, or the first preacher, I should say, that was ordained in the African Methodist Episcopal Church. Minister Jarena Lee was the first authorized female preacher in the African Methodist Episcopal AME Church. Lee, whose family or maiden name is unknown, was born to a poor but free black family on February 11, 1783 in Cape May, New Jersey. In 1790, at the age of seven, Lee was sent to work as a live-in servant for a white family named Sharp. Lee moved to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania as a teenager and continued to work as a domestic servant. One afternoon, Lee attended a worship service at the Bethel Church where Bishop Richard Allen, the founder of the AME Church, was scheduled to preach. After hearing the powerful sermon delivered by Allen, Lee became filled with the Holy Spirit and then converted into Christianity. In 1807, Lee heard the voice of God commissioning her to preach the gospel. She was initially reluctant to pursue ministry given the male-dominated nature of the church. However, she decided to confide in Bishop Allen and revealed to him her call to preach. Allen told Lee that he could not grant her permission to preach because it was required to uphold the AME church's ban against female ministers. In 1819, during a worship service at the Bethel Church, a guest preacher began struggling with his message and abruptly stopped preaching. As he stared into the congregation at a loss for words, Lee sprang to her feet and began preaching, 
picking up where the minister had left off. After Leah's sermon, she was afraid that Bishop Allen would punish her for preaching without permission. On the contrary, Allen was so impressed by Lee that he officially gave her authorization to preach the gospel. Allen asserted that God had called Lee to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Shortly after, Lee began to travel to various cities for preaching engagements and was highly praised for her powerful sermons. In addition to her work in ministry, Lee was also heavily involved in the abolitionist movement and joined the American Anti-Slavery Society in 1839. To share her experiences in ministry, Lee began to pen her experiences in an autobiography titled The Life and Religious Experience of Jerina Lee. She completed her autobiography in expanded form in 1849. The exact date and circumstances of Minister Lee's death is unknown. However, the records of Mount Pisgah AME Church Cemetery, where she is buried, indicated that she died in 1855. Other sources list her death in 1857. So we take time now to honor the life of Minister Jerina Lee, who, without the approval of man, was anointed by God to deliver the message and really became a trailblazer for many female preachers that would come after her. Now for the main event. Let's talk about tithing. So, for those of you who aren't familiar with tithing, tithing, or the the specific definition of tithing, is that it is 10% of your income. Some people may say gross or net. We'll get into that when we get when we uh, touch on our questions. So, essentially, the basis of tithing comes from the book of Malachi, specifically chapter three, verses nine through ten. I'll read it real quick in the New International Version. It says, "Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, and the whole nation of you." Because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. And pour out so much blessing. That you will not have enough room for it. So. Many people use this scripture in order to. Support their stance as far as why they tithe. However, there are individuals who are not against tithing and also believe that tithing is not essential. The argument more so against tithing stems from the um, stance that tithing is no longer a requirement since it was a commandment of the old covenant. Since it was pretty much they're saying that since tithing is not mentioned in the New Testament, which it isn't, um, and only because it is mentioned in Malachi in that specific time, which is a book in the Old Testament, that that is something that is no longer required of us to do. So, many people will dismiss tithing, or they will believe that it is not essential, or they will just not tithe at all. Um, However, there are many individuals who support the argument for tithing. And many of their arguments, besides the fact that it is um, listed in Malachi 3, 9, and 10, is the fact that they have seen the benefits of their uh, based off their personal experience there have been many people who have tithed and they have seen financial increase and been able to get new opportunities for income that they would not have been privy to earlier 
So that's why many of them are on the sides that tithing is important. And not only is it important to do, but it is also essential. Um, also, there are many people who um, are on the side of tithing that believe that it is a little bit hypocritical for individuals to come in and, and, and well, not really come in, but come to God and ask him for increase, ask him for jobs and finances and what have you. And then they see it as unfair for them to ask for those things from God and then for them to withhold the things that God has given them because they have asked for it. So they believe that since they have petitioned God for these such things that they owe him, and now that it is their obligation to return back that investment that God has given unto them. So that was just a little bit of um, background on that. I really want to keep this as far as conversation goes. I really want to keep this open-ended, so I didn't really want to spend as much time setting up the topic more so, but I really wanted to get into the um, questions that we had. So the first million dollar question is, what is your personal stance on tithing? Um, those of you who are against tithing may get mad at me for this, but I do believe that tithing is essential. And I do believe that tithing is essential because I am of the persuasion that I have seen the positive effects of tithing and I have seen the negative effects that come with not tithing. At the end of the day, there are many examples within myself and within my family of how God has been able to keep us because we have obeyed this commandment. At the end of the day, there are many things that are in the Old Testament that individuals still follow. So I don't believe that that should be the one thing that we just X out. And also, I believe that at the end of the day, that it was not just a covenant law, but it was a godly principle. Because God does say, and the reference of the scripture is leaving me now, but God does say, give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And he also says in at the end of verse 10, test me in this, and see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room to receive it. At the end of the day, whether you want to think it's a law or not, at the end of that, at the end of the, uh, what am I trying to say? At the end of the day, at that part of the scripture, God still says that if you follow through with these rules, that he will open up the windows of heaven and that he will bless you. So if you follow those rules, he will bless you. And I am living proof, and there are many members in my family who also can attest to the fact that they are living proof that God has and will acknowledge what he says when he says that he will open up the windows of heaven if you acknowledge him in your tithes and your offering. So, I am of that persuasion, and also I do believe that it is hypocritical, like I said earlier, for us to ask, oh God, can you give me this job? Or can you open this door for me? Or can you help me take care of these finances? And then when he does that, for us just to be able to not give back to him, I believe it's an insult to him, but I also believe that when we give back to him, it shows God our gratitude for what, for the, for the fact that he has granted what we have asked him to give us. I believe that giving and tithing is a form of gratitude, it's a form of worship, in order to saying, God, I asked you for this job, I asked you for this finance, I asked you for this increase, and you've given it to me, so now I give back this to you 
in order to tell you thank you for opening up the doors that you have made for me in that aspect. So that is why I believe that tithing is essential. Now, I'm going to ask Josh to answer that part of the question, and then I'm going to come back and answer the second million dollar question. So go ahead, Josh. I talked enough. <laughs> Very essential. So, um, hold on. Oh, the so what is your personal stance on tithing? So basically, what I think it's definitely very essential, and I definitely believe in tithing because, like, you know, when you give, and like when you give, it's it, it's a blessing, honestly, because it's like even when like sometimes it'll be like okay, that like cause I know for a fact there's times like that I I didn't give, to, and I seen like okay, God not blessing me with certain things, but like you know one thing I must say because like yeah like given 10%, that's great, right? And, you know, like, we pray for, okay, I, I need help with my finances. I need help with school. I need help with, um, like, you just need help with certain things. And sometimes God is not able to help us out because we didn't even give. <laughs> and it, it'll show because it'll be like, okay, that, like, you know, we ask for these things, but when we're not giving, when we're not tithing, it's like, oh, like, or do you really want, like, and sometimes it's like, I feel like it's like a, I didn't want to say sacrifice, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah, I um, feel you. I feel you. To where I'm, like a sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah, like, because sometimes, like, there'll be times, like, okay, bet, like, you know, some somebody might be on their lowest, and, like, you could give you could give a dollar in the offering basket, you know, and tithes and offering is actually different. A tithe is 10%. Offering is, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to offer this, right, so you can give me this. And I believe when it comes to offering something, like, okay, but I'm gonna offer this dollar or I'm gonna offer my I'm gonna offer my pride, I'm gonna offer my anger, I'm gonna offer, you know, my undisciplined so I could gain joy, so I could gain happiness, so I could gain this type of success. And I feel like that's why tithing tithing offering is definitely very, very important. Yeah, and I definitely feel you on that as far as being able to give as a part of a sacrifice. And I believe that there are, and I believe that even ways to be extra blessed, and I know that I've even done this, is giving more than 10% when I tithe. That's also a way of being able to give extra, is, to, is that the more you give to God, really the more he gives back to you. And that's always a principle that is very important and essential for believers to keep in mind. Now, specifically, let's talk about this. This is kind of like a side, it's in a way, it's a side question, but it has also brought up a lot of controversy. Um, many individuals believe that when it comes to 10% of income, that you are supposed to pay your gross. When I say gross, as far as individuals that are in employment or run businesses or what have you, your gross would be what your earnings would be, including your taxes and all the other things that are taken out of your paycheck when you receive it. So, it would be given all of that. Then you have some people that just pay the net, which is essentially what you would pay after all of those mandatory deductions have been taken out of your paycheck and then giving upon that. So, there are many people who believe that you should pay gross or that you should pay net. Personally, I'm of the persuasion that you should pay net instead of gross. At the end of the day, Jesus said, Give unto Caesar's what is Caesar's, and give unto God's what is God's. Essentially meaning, meaning that whatever is owed to the government that you were under, 
should go to the government that you are under, though whatever is owed to God should be given unto God. At the end of the day, I don't see, as far as gross income goes, I don't fully see that as an income because that never fully comes to you. That is what is paid to you essentially, but you never hold that money. You don't touch that money. As soon as, it, as, soon as the money comes to you, it's taken out. So you, you never see it to begin with. So it seems a little bit unfair to ask people to pay from their gross. Now, like I said, if you want to pay extra, that's on you. And that is another way to be able to receive a more of a blessing in a, in a sense. But I do not believe that it should be required of individuals to pay a part of to pay a sum of money that they specifically do not touch. I believe that whatever comes into your hand, whatever is able for you and is accessible for you to use should be given as far as as far as uh, what you take out of the 10 percent of that. And then everything else should be, you know given unto Caesar or given unto the government. So that's really what I believe on that. Josh, what's your opinion? So the difference between, okay, so I need to understand the difference between gross and net. So, <laughs> so like I said, essentially gross is what would come out of your, essentially when you get a paycheck and then you get like taxes and other stuff cut out of that, essentially that would be what you would get paid before taxes are taken out. Okay. Net is what you would get after taxes and all that stuff that is uh, that is mandatory is taken out. Mm, so you're talking about like, so so do you tie gross or net? Mm. So <laughs> when it comes to tithing gross or net, I mean, of course, like I'll definitely, you know, do 10% of it, right? Like when it comes to like, if it's, well, you said gross is not with the taxes. gross is essentially without the um, without taxes taken out. Without take taxes given out. Well, so I'll be, put it yeah, this way: net, it, yeah, if you get paid like, I'm just throwing out numbers here, so don't don't get it at me for not being accurate. Let's say you get paid like 500 on your check before taxes, mm. but then when you get taxes, your thing is only like 450 or maybe something around the lines of like $400, $300. Essentially, they're saying, would you pay the 500 or would you pay the 10% out of the 500 that you got before taxes got taken out or would you pay 10% out of the 300 after taxes are taken out? So with me, I feel like what I've done is like the net, I'll do like the 10% of the net when it comes to tithing. Like I'll tie the net because like that's what that's how I get paid was through the net, and then yeah, like I tied I tied my net, but like gross is like that's different because it's like I'm not getting paid like five hundred, I'm probably gonna get paid four fifty or like four thirty or something like that around those numbers, but I'll definitely you know give ten percent of that for a fact. Yeah, that like uh, it sounds like you're pretty much of the same persuasion to me that it seems unfair to require individuals to pay that as far as money goes if you are not receiving that money and then also if Jesus said that what is belongs that what belongs to the government should go to the government it would seem Thanks. it would seem odd to be able to take that but hey if you want to pay gross that's on you please don't take this as me judging you if you do pay gross 
But what I'm saying is in this context is that it is unfair for individuals to require you to pay gross or to require you to pay net. We're just stating our opinions in this moment, but however you want to pay is on you. And either way, God's going to bless you. So it's up to you how you want to do it. So with that being said, this hereby concludes the sixth episode of the Amen Corner podcast. Follow us on social media. Connect with us on social media. For those of you who are listening on different streaming platforms, subscribe. Follow the podcast. Share it with your friends and family. Let them know that the Amen Corner podcast is what's happening. I know that's really old slang, but hey, I couldn't think of another word, so just excuse me for that. <laughs> like I said, um, follow us on social media. Connect with us. Listen to us on our different streaming platforms. We're going to have a... Um, website that is attached in the bio of our Facebook page and our Instagram page that'll lay out all of our social media handles and platforms as well as all of our different streaming platforms so that you're able to get the inside scoop on where we are streaming and to be able to stream from the app of your choice. So with that being said, I'm Mike Purvis. And I'm Joshua Powell. And we will see you next Friday. Why you mad? Why you mad? Why you act so sad? Getting out of your bag. Serving God I'm Serve one God, one nation of the God.